Hi, this is Amy and Pelizzeri, and this is Tall Poppy Writers Presents. I know how this book ends. Today, I am talking with Christy Whitson Harvey, author of Under the Southern Sky. Not just author, New York Times bestselling author as of Woo! last week. Christy, welcome. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me, Amy. And that that sounds so good. Oh, it sure does. It sure does. And this is the first time that I've gotten to congratulate you live, not in person. I can't wait to give you a big hug and see you in person. Oh, well, thank you. I cannot wait to. It's been way too long. I know. I know. So uh, Christy and I are writer friends, friends, and also members of the Tall Poppy Writers. So I met Christy through the Tall Poppy Writers, but I was already a fan and a reader, of course, as many of you are. Her newest book, Under the Southern Sky, has just debuted on the New York Times bestseller list. So well-deserved, so amazing. Let's talk a little bit about this book, Christy. This is a standalone book. Um, It's just second standalone book following your series, um, the Peachtree Bluff series, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. And so tell me about the inspiration behind this story in particular. So this one has actually been on my mind for quite some time. Mm. I had a really good friend who um, came to me a few years ago and was talking about how she and her husband were having to make the decision about what they were going to do with their leftover frozen embryos after they had you know, successfully had their babies through IVF. Yeah, yeah. And she just, you know, things have changed a lot in the last few years. I think people are a little bit more aware of the situation. They make plans a little earlier. But um, then, I mean, even six and seven years ago, they just weren't really thinking about that quite as much. And so it wasn't something that they had really planned before they had their babies. And so she just said, you know, this is something a lot of women are going to be going through. And I really think you should write a book about it. And so, you know, you and I both know that something like yeah. that is an idea, but it's definitely yeah. not a story. So there's there's a difference between, you know, an idea and a story for sure. But it right. was something I just kind of sat with for a long time and I knew I would write about it. I mean, immediately, like right then, I knew that was something that I wanted to write a book about. I just didn't know exactly what it would look like. Well, here's what's so interesting. I love what you said that there's a difference between the idea and the story. And there, of course, is something familiar in this story that's familiar to your readers, which is you often take on the the theme of how people become parents in a variety of different traditional and non-traditional ways, how women become mothers in a variety of different traditional, non-traditional ways, issues of fertility and infertility. And so there was something very familiar about this story. It's interesting that the story found you. Do you think that's what happened? Do you think the story found you? Um, in, in this case, I definitely do because yeah. I have to tell you this part of the story too, because this is very bizarre. So, um, fast forward feels like falling. My 2020 book was, you know, kind of signed, sealed, delivered. And I was thinking about what I was going yeah. to write next. And so this embryo story was still in my mind. And I had already decided that I needed one of the parents of these embryos to have passed away because I just felt like that really raised the stakes. Yes, um, and I, and yes. I feel like, you know, we know what a single mother looks like. We see right. that. It's very easy for us to wrap our minds around. Like we all, you know. Right. 
we know what that looks like. So right. I thought, well, you know, what if I wrote a story about a single father? You know, that would yeah. be kind of a different take on it. But I knew I didn't want to just have this male character. So um, I sort of was trying to figure out how I was going to come at this story and um, had decided that I was going to have this childhood friend of his who was a journalist and she was going to be the one that discovered that these embryos were uh, had been deemed abandoned, which was something I was reading a, about a lot in the media. And so a friend called me, she was in PA school, and I'd been talking to her about the story idea and how it was one of the several ideas that I was getting ready to pitch for my next novel. And she called me and said she was um, delivering her first baby during her rotation at PA school. Mm -hmm. And um, it was from a surrogate and it was for a single father whose wife had passed away five years earlier and it was through one of their frozen embryos. And she was like, I don't know if you needed a sign, but I'm pretty sure this was it. Oh my gosh. You've <laughs> got to be kidding me. I just had goosebumps. That right. It was, it was bizarre. Is one I mean, of I went those story has day. found you moments, right? Yes, exactly. And, um, I just, yeah, that was a very clear cut sign to me. I felt like, okay, this is the book. It's the time. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Are you getting another sign like that about your next book? <laughs> Do they all come um, to you that way? Kind, actually, kind of. I'll tell you about it later, but kind of. Okay. Okay. All right. We'll come back to that. Because, I mean, before we we talk, I want to talk about a couple of more spoiler-free uh, things about this book. But first, we have to back up for a minute. And you have to tell us about the moment that you find out you're a New York Times bestseller. Like, take us to that <laughs> fly-on-the-wall moment. Okay. So, I mean, we know we're going to, you know, when, when the list comes out, it's, it's comes out on Wednesday and I have bits and pieces of numbers from my publisher, but we, we don't know the whole picture of course, right. cause no independent bookstores have come in. Um, there's like another chunk of maybe like Barnes and Noble or something that hasn't come in. We know we don't know all the numbers. So we know like we're, we know we're, we're in the realm, you know, but yeah. we, we have no yeah. idea and you have no idea what anybody else's sales are or anything like that. So, yeah. um, my, I was like, I'm just going to have to really distract myself today because I know it's going to be like the longest day of my life. So I had right. a ton going on. I was still like technically on tour, but I was at home. So I yeah. had a bunch of virtuals in the morning and then, um, that afternoon, you know, I got my son from school. I was like helping him with homework. He had tennis at four and I'm standing there watching him play tennis. And I'm like, I, I, I can't, like, I can't stand here. And I'm like <laughs> having anxiety about his tennis practice, you know, because I'm right. so anxious. So there's a bookstore right down the street and they had a ton of books for me to sign. Thank goodness. So I went in the bookstore and I was like, y'all, I need to be distracted. Um, and they had two boxes of books for me to sign. So I'm sitting there and I'm signing like, you know, all these books. And, oh my gosh. um, so I get, I get a text from, well, I'm getting texts from, from author friends. Like, have you heard what's going on? Like, you know, da, 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 da. And so I get, I, I open up my email and I get an email from my editor that says you're number 54 on USA Today. We haven't heard about New York Times yet. And number 54, like on first glance, I'm like, well, that doesn't sound you know, I don't know about that. <laughs> so I'm texting my author friends. Cause I'm like, I can't do it to myself. Like, I just can't do it. And I'm like, I'm number 54. And I get this text right back. That's like, there are only eight paperbacks ahead of you. <laughs> or something oh like my God. You know, of course USA Today yes. is a little different because it's, it's everything. Yep. So, um, so I finished signing the books. I still haven't heard. I still haven't heard. And I go back to the tennis court. I'm watching Will play. And, um, this is so bizarre. So someone didn't even realize like, um, that my agent had not even heard about the list yet and actually texted me number eight. And I was like, 
Oh what my does that gosh. Mean? What does number eight mean? And then like two seconds later, my phone rang and it was an author friend who had seen it before my agent or my editor. And she was like, you're number eight, you're number eight. Oh, oh my God. gosh. That's so <laughs> and funny. And then of course my like editor beeped in and then my agent beeped in and you know, it was like everybody started getting it. Yes, but it was, yes. you know, those, those two seconds make a difference, but I was freaking out. And so, um, and little Will saw me freaking out and he like jumped over the fence and it was really fun. <laughs> oh, and he knew why he knew what you were waiting for. Oh yeah, for. he knew oh, why. I mean, it I was like it. How old anxiety is he? central at our house. Yeah, 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 yeah. How old is Will? <laughs> He's nine. Oh, He's nine. that's so perfect. Oh, yeah. that's so great. Christy, yeah. I love it so much. Well, congratulations. Yeah. Well, so well you. deserved. Thank this you. is, this exciting. is your seventh novel, right? Yes. My seventh Le- novel. Yeah, yeah. Lucky seven. Yeah. So lucky there seven. you go. I love it. Oh my gosh. Well, because this is the I Know How This Book Ends podcast, we always talk, but spoiler free, of course, about how the book ends. And there's a really big reveal at the end of this book that I I just loved. I mean, you're teasing something. You know there's a secret uh, between two of the characters, the deceased character and the main character, Greer and Amelia. And you know there's something going on. Uh, You know they have a secret. And then at the end, you find out what it is. Was that always how this book ended? This is a very clear question from a writer because one, no one has asked me this before. And two, (laughs) no, I had no idea. Uh, Yeah. Um, So I actually didn't even know that I wanted these two characters. So this is um, Greer, who is the late like mother of these embryos. Right. And then Amelia, who is the investigative journalist that discovers them and the childhood friend of um, the father of the embryos. And I got completely finished with the book and there, you know, there's a lot happening in the story, but I just felt like there was something kind of missing and I didn't really know what it was. And it just dawned on me. I thought, you know, I want these two women who didn't know each other that well to have something between them that no one else knows about. For me, it was like they needed some kind of like solidification of their sisterhood in some way Um, because their paths become very much entangled in a very big way. And so, um, I went, I actually talked through this with some author friends. I was at an event like right before the pandemic and I'd finished the story. And I said, you know, I just, I I want these two women to have the secret. And I really kind of fleshed it out and they gave me a million different ideas, all of which were really good. Um, none of which I actually ended up going with, but they gave me the idea, you know, it it got my wheels turning, uh, you know, what could this be? Right. This is this yeah. is what's missing, something between the two of them. Well, I think that's really brilliant because for the reader, it's so satisfying. And I mean, it's so amazing that you gave Greer a point of view through, this isn't giving anything away, through her journals um, that we hear from her through the story, even though she's passed away at the beginning of the story. And so it's just, uh, you know, I think it's such a magical thing to be able to have her you know, be so present in the story. And I think the secret in the reveal was really very satisfying for the reader. It's a very satisfying resolution. So yeah, that's wonderful. Thanks for the inside information. I love that. Thanks. Thanks for asking a great question. And I was nervous about seeing Greer. I wasn't sure if that was going to, how that was going to come off. So thank you for saying that. And no, um, it was, I felt like she was important though, you know, in the end, it was important. It was a hard story to tell without her. Yeah. It makes it a very, um, beautiful, poignant, hopeful story. I think. Tell us about um, Peachtree Bluff series, which I loved so much. And um, that is that was your first series, right? Yes. Am I right about that? Yeah, right, right. right. Yes. So would you ever write another series? I mean, that was a, a three-part series told from the points of view of three sisters and their mother. 
And again, also very interesting. I don't want to give anything away, but a very interesting premise about paternity uh, and and fertility. And the, the each story, each of the books in the series is told from a different sister's point of view. And um, and they came out one a year for three years, which was wonderful for your readers. We couldn't wait for those books to come out. I was sad <laughs> when they ended, but beautiful, beautifully, you know, the resolution was beautiful. Would you ever do a series again? Um, I would definitely do a series again. I don't have a series planned, but yeah. I have an idea for one that's just kind of been, you know, a series is just, it's a very different animal. And I probably yeah. never would have even tried to write one except that an editor actually sort of pitched the idea to me. I mean, not the idea for the series, but pitched the idea of my writing a series. Yeah. Yeah. And just thought that was a really good next step for my career. And I, I just, I say yes a lot. So I said yes. And I was like, <laughs> I'll just say yes and I'll figure it out later, which right. that's, that should, that's going to be the name of my memoir. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I um, love that. Well, I'll buy a copy of that. Oh, thank you. No, but um, so I had no idea what I was doing going into it and actually didn't even know what I was going to write about going into it. And so, um, yeah, it was definitely, it's definitely a different animal. I would love to do it again. There's something really satisfying about like creating a world that you get to inhabit, you know, for multiple, which you know, cause you've done that. I mean, yeah, there is another Peachtree Bluff book coming out though. Oh, what's that? Yes. Tell us, tell oh, us more. I mean, it's, I, we've like barely announced it. <laughs> okay. But it, was, it was kind of a last minute idea, but during COVID I, there were just a lot of readers that came back to that Peachtree Bluff series and you know, I had been hearing since the series ended, like, please write more Peachtree, please write more Peachtree. But then just, oh my goodness, there were a few months in there that it was like, I was just getting flooded with messages from people like, please write more Peachtree Bluff. And um, I just, I got an idea for a Christmas book and I thought, well, that's the perfect kind of oh, way to bridge the gap of not biting off a whole yeah. separate story, but, you know, getting to kind of come back. And so I pitched my... um editor, this idea of writing this Christmas, I actually pitched it as a Christmas novella. Well, then I started writing it and it's, you know, like 95,000 words long. It is not a novella. That's not a novella. (laughs) It is definitely a full length novel. Um, but but it was so fun to get to go back to Peachtree and um, actually originally wanted to put it out 2022, but it's coming out October 26th, 2021. So it's coming out. Oh my gosh. It's coming out this fall. Oh, that's amazing. Oh, Christy, I'm so excited It's right around the corner. It's right around the corner. Okay. Um, That is really exciting. So so that's your next project you were just teasing. Well, no, it's actually not. So the crazy thing is I, the, the only reason that I said, yes, I can put out, you know, a second novel in 2021 is because, you know, obviously 2020 was a weird year. There was no touring. Really? It wasn't. Did you know? I mean, I know you were yeah. touring, Amy. You I heard had a thing that or... special bubble. That you yeah, I heard a thing about. or two about that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I just, I was writing a lot more and um, my 2022 novel was finished for all intents and purposes. I mean, I have another round of edits to go on it, but um, that is the one that I was actually going to tell you about. That's sort of one of those like fun Okay, go for it. Yeah. Okay. So it's called The Wedding Veil, first of all. Um, Oh, I love it. And so I actually got the idea because my husband's grandmother had this really beautiful, beautiful wedding veil. And there have been a ton of people that have worn it. So like everyone Mm. in his family wore it. His sister wore it. I wore it when we got married. Um, His sister's best friend wore it. Like my cousin on the other side of my family wore it. It's just sort of this like happy, beautiful thing that people have, we've just sort of shared and passed around. 
And so I was actually, I was my cousin's matron of honor at her wedding. And I was actually putting the veil on her head, you know, as she was getting ready to you know, walk down the aisle. And I thought, I'm going to write a story about all the women who have worn the wedding veil. It wasn't going to be oh not gosh. the real one, but something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I called my agent like two days later and I was like, I have this idea. I really want to write this story. And she said, oh my gosh, I love that idea. And she said, but you know what would be cool? And I said, what? And she said, what if you write it about a real historical wedding veil? And I was like, I'm not going to do that. Like, what are the chances that I'm going to find a real historical woman that I really want to write about that's going to have some kind of, you know, veil with a story to it? Yeah. So the only person that I could really think about in that moment that I really wanted to write about that I was very interested in was Edith Vanderbilt, who was the first mistress of Biltmore Estate. Oh, wow. And so I had I had looked her up before just because I knew I was interested in her story and there hasn't really been much written about her or not really anything fictional anyway. And so I Googled Edith Vanderbilt Wedding Veil and the story pops up about how Edith Vanderbilt had this family veil that was worn by her grandmother, her mother, her three sisters, her daughter Cornelia, and then it disappeared. And I was like, oh, come on. Well, that's, <laughs> that's a story. No. And it was, it was late at night. It was like 11 o'clock at night. And I actually remember texting my agent and being like, well, you're not going to believe this. Um, and I thought, well, yeah, that's my story. So it's actually a contemporary historical novel about four women in four generations who all wore this wedding veil. So we have a historical story about Edith and Cornelia Vanderbilt. So we, they're both POV characters. And then a contemporary story about a modern day grandmother and granddaughter um, who sort of solve this mystery of the missing Vanderbilt veil. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. And this is coming out in, next year. It's coming 2022, but I don't know when. I mean, April, but you know, I don't know. So, Oh, Christy, I'm so excited. Thank you for sharing that with us. That's yeah, amazing. I can't wait. To, I really haven't talked about that one at all. So um, I'm very excited about it and um, can't wait. But yeah, Peachtree Bluff is next. So it's going to be a oh busy my gosh, year, it's Amy. Be a- Big year. It's a big year for all of us. We're, well, well, let, let's talk about a lot, you know, in addition to writing, you have so many amazing projects. Um, let's talk a little bit about how else you've been keeping busy over 2020. You and I have some, a lot of fun things in common. And one thing that I'm super honored to, to share with you is that both of us worked on virtual projects over the pandemic that uh, were on BookTrib's list of best um, yes. virtual book events of 2020. Yeah. So the precursor to this podcast, my virtual book club, I know how this book ends and your amazing podcast, friends in fiction were both on that list. Tell me about friends in fiction and how that came to be. And, uh, and, and give that a little love to let help tell people if there's somebody out there who isn't already following it, tell us how we can oh, do that. Well, thank you. Yeah. So, um, friends in fiction is, um, a podcast and web show on Wednesday nights at seven. And it, it came about, and like I said, you know, the name of my memoir, say yes and figure it out. But um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I've never said that. I'm not really going to write a memoir called that. So don't worry, you guys. <laughs> but um, So I had a book coming out, like most of us did, many of us did, in April of 2020. And so uh, one night, Mary Kay Andrews sent a text out to um, Kristen Harmel, Patty Callahan Henry, Mary Alice Monroe, and me and said, we all have books coming out. What in the world are we going to do? You know, all of our tours have been canceled. And she said, let's just get on Zoom and whine for a while. <laughs> we were like, okay. <laughs> I love it. So, um, and that's what I thought. Wine we with do. an now H we, or wine yeah, without an H? Wine and wine. <laughs> right. She actually said the link and said rosé and wine. And I thought that was really Perfect. Perfect. So, yeah. So, um, so we got on and we chat, we complained for a while. And then we thought, oh my gosh, what are all these independent bookstores going to do? Because 
they're in worse shape than we are. I mean, they can't have events. It's really hard to sell online if you're an independent bookstore, you know, with no support yes. from your small town, no one walking in the door. Yes. We and heard so, that so much, right? Right. Yeah. It's really bad. So Mary Kay said, Hey, let's go live on all of our Facebook pages next week. And we'll talk about our new books and we'll ask people to buy from independent bookstores. And we were like, yeah, I mean, we're not doing anything else. So right. why not? And, um, we really didn't think anyone was going to come. I mean, you know, we put a little thing out like, Hey, we're going to be talking on Facebook. Like, we didn't know what we were doing. And, um, so we, we went on and, she was actually in her pajamas, which is my favorite part of the first episode. Oh my she gosh, was like, no I one's going to come to this. I'm going to wear my pajamas. Um, and and a, a lot of people came. So she was very wrong. A lot of people came. And so uh, we started getting emails from people saying like, oh, please do this. It was really fun. We were so bored. And we were like, hey, us too. Like, let's yeah, keep doing yeah, this. Yeah, exactly. So we planned on doing it for seven weeks because all of our books would be out by then. And then we thought, oh yeah, you know, the world will be back to normal. Um Spoiler alert, the world was not back to normal. (laughs) Um, And it's just kept growing into this wonderful group of readers and um, just women who are, and some men too, not just women, um, who are communicating on Facebook and who are watching the the lives on Wednesday nights. And, um, you know, we have fun author guests on and it's just been a really, really great opportunity. And if you want to know more about it, you can go to friendsandfiction.com. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's been fantastic. And I, I'm sure like you just, you know, I, I've got to be one of the, one of the guests on your book club last year. We had so much fun and so many great participants there. And I think it's just been a really great way to connect during all well, this Well, that's craziness. the thing, right? It's been a way to stay connected because we're all struggling with the pandemic to stay connected. And especially, I mean, you have always, and you were able to resume a little bit of your book tour this year I've, I've yes. seen, which has been yeah. amazing, but you know, we're so used to, leaving our writing cave, connecting with our readers at book clubs and book events. And when that was shut down for writers, I mean, for everyone, it was just a very unique loss. And so we, I was so thrilled to be able to do the virtual book club and connect with other writers. And I, like you, had a book coming out and so many people helped me in so many ways. I wanted to pay it forward, which I know you've done also through Friends, Friends in Fiction and, you know, lifted up the voices of other writers who have books coming out during this challenging time. And um, and it's, I, I say, you know, in a lot of ways, it's funny, the pandemic has actually created this sort of unprecedented access to our favorite authors, right? So there have yes, been completely. events that I've been able to go to and writers that I've been able to hear speak that geography would have limited me before. And I'm sure that we will take into the new world uh, a little bit of this, right? We're, we're, we are always going to want those live events and we're always going to crave those. But there is a little bit to, to be learned about how to sort of make the, you know, the barriers and the boundaries go away and, and, and create more, more inclusive events, um, through the virtual world. But I hope we're never going to lose that. I think it's changed everything. I really do. And I don't think this is going to go away. So I think that's the good news. Yeah. Well, listen, I know you're busy and I'm going to let you go because you have uh, a book tour to finish. And we are so thrilled that you were able to stop by and give us lots of inside scoop. I always say just because it's fiction doesn't mean it's not true. So I love to hear the story behind the story. 
And Christy, thank you so much. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Amy. Thank you for having me. I'm so grateful to be a part of this. You do such a great job. You know, I'm such a huge fan of yours. I always have been um, since that very first time that we met. And actually before then, I remember like just meeting you the first time and like just fangirling all over you because I just read (laughs) Lemongrass Hope and being like, it's so good. It's so good. And then I was like, oh my gosh, I'm such a nerd. (laughs) No, the feeling is completely mutual. And yes, you've always been so generous and so kind to me. I really appreciate it. That's why I said I love you hitting the New York Times bestseller list proves to me that good things happen to deserving people. So thank you. That's so nice of you. Well, thank you. And I would not be here without friends like you who have just bolstered me and shared their platforms with me all along the way. So it is definitely not, no one, no one gets there without a lot of help. And of course, all those amazing readers buying that book. I know it's, um, it's not really, it's, it's definitely sort of like a shared event. (laughs) Yeah. Well, cheers to the readers. We can agree on that. Excellent. Thank you, dear. I'll see you soon. Bye.